Hello and welcome back to the Social Matters podcast. We are free social workers talking about social matters. Um, hi everyone. Hi. Hello. Hi. Um, so how's everyone? What's what have we been up to? Um, what's going on basically? Well, I've just arrived back from a jolly day in Italy at two a.m. A jolly day. Jolly day. Oh. <laughs> bon jolly. A holiday. <laughs> Gosh, in Italy. Oh, yeah, I got back at two a.m. Um, with an airline um, that charges you for everything charges you for going to the toilet eating breathing selling you scratch cards um, Not a yeah and they uh they uh, obviously send their apology round that they were late but it meant that i'm, I'm quite tired at the moment but other than that oh, i'm good fun. i'm good oh. how about you two yeah, I'm good. Um, I'm pretty tired, actually. I've just come back from five days of camping with my youth group. Um, and yeah, it was lots of fun. But Could I just say, sorry, they were camping. You were in a caravan. Yeah, I camping. was totally... Did you have a shower? Uh, in, we had a shower in the caravan, but what? we didn't. But we That's didn't. Not <laughs> but we didn't use it because we were just being so lazy because it meant we'd have to fill the water tank like so you've daily. So you didn't wash? For no, the I didn't. <laughs> I washed, guys. I washed, um, but it's they had showers on site, oh. so it was like a massive like conference with like seven thousand kids, and um, yeah, um, yeah, but it was fantastic. Feeling Sounds good, great. yeah, it was really good. So tired but energized. Yes, yes, definitely. Physically tired but spiritually rah, ready Woo. to go. Let's go, pumpkins, yeah. Go. Um, I was feeling quite relaxed because um. It's my second day of, of leave. I haven't had leave in like four months or so. Um, and I'm about to go to Barbados. Whoop, whoop. Um, bit of Jealous. Sun. I know, right? A <laughs> um, bit of sunshine. Sorry, but didn't you go on holiday about two? Sh- oh, sorry. <laughs> We're not sorry, talking about We're the violins. I've been We're on holiday for like <laughs> Oh, the month. privileged position. Sorry. My fourth holiday of the year. Really bad. Um <laughs> But then uh, it took me, what, what was about two and a half hours to set up this podcast? Oh, no. <laughs> so no. We had tech problems um, uh, trying to set up the recording. It just wasn't as it was last time, which surprised me because I haven't even changed anything. I don't. I literally don't know what happened. I was just trialing. It was like we were like on, on a runway in a windsock. <laughs> just like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> proper. It was like someone was like intercepting the airways, Aww. trying to stop. Do you think we've got f- fellow podcast competitors? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Social workers tapping it out. <laughs> Honestly, three social workers at technology. It was it was a bit touch and go. Nadia and I tried to help by googling. Yeah, what just... should we do? <laughs> but nothing much. Nothing much came up, unfortunately. But we're work. here now. We yeah. are here now. But I had faith Eugene was going to sort it. Yeah, and you guys did Thank really you. well to consume all of the snacks because we had a lot of bowls of food here, and now they're just um, all gone. So I feel that motivated me to do it. Um, quickly because i wanted you were missing out on the snacks in it sorry sorry no it's good good. that's what i tend to do in a time of crisis just eat (laughs) eat eat my way through (laughs) did you have snacks snack tables in your office just it's bad no it's treat tables is horrendous it's not even a snack table it's a cake table yeah yeah Yeah. and it has all of the different variety of cakes and jaffa cake oh my god it's making me hungry um oh okay what are we doing today guys what are we talking about um so today we are thinking about um contextual safeguarding um and kind of thinking about um harm that comes to young people and children kind of outside of their of their homes so yeah yeah, in their in their wider contexts 
Um, but yeah, we're also going to have a, a little bit of a think about context. What does it mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, just have a bit of a, a bit of a chat about mm. that. Really, what what does it mean to you? Context is really strange that a lot of these words have multiple meanings. That's why I say, what does it mean? To yeah, you? yeah, yeah. Well, so what does it mean to you? Mary? Um, so I when we were kind of doing the pre preparation pre-preparation i don't think that's, that's the pre- no that is that the preparation before the preparation we yeah did that, yeah actually. We yeah did we did we did so the, many levels of preparation. yeah <laughs> um i kind of just yeah looked up what what context actually um means in the dictionary and it says um that context is the circumstances that form the setting for an event statement or idea and in terms of which and in terms of which it can be fully understood mm. um so it's in layman's terms, I guess, thinking about how the the kind of environment that somebody is in, um, how that impacts them. Mm, yeah. Yeah. And we'll and I, I suppose environment is one, isn't it? Then I suppose there's also the the personal context, which, which we all bring. So I suppose even just asking today, like, how are we? We're tired. I guess that's giving some context, context to where, mm. where we're at today as well. So I guess, yeah, for me, it's about like, the environmental um, influences and situations, but also, I guess, the individual aspect of that that we bring mm. that could be, you know, yeah, how we're thinking, feeling at that time. Yeah. Mm. And I think for me, I, I'm quite a visual person. So as you guys were talking, I was thinking about those little Russian dolls. You see one inside the other, inside the other, inside the other, inside the other, inside the we other. We got it. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Everyone knows what I'm talking about. Um, but uh, it's, I, I kind of think about an individual and then everything that surrounds them. Yeah. Whether it's really close or whether it's far away. And not only what surrounds somebody, but how it impacts and how it affects um, uh, you. So if you've got a Russian doll five inside each other and then you put it in like a, the Antarctica and then the, the way that the snow affects it or the wind affects it or the different animals or the people, it's like... And it's almost, um, uh, it's so layered that there's so many other additional factors that kind of creates a a context and affects um, an individual. So Mm. when I think about context, I think about it in a way that um, says, I kind of think about it like everything around you that that affects you and that impacts on on you. Mm. Um, So yeah, I kind of will agree with your, your definitions and that's that's what i think when yeah. i think about context yeah so um again in the prep for this i was thinking about you know earlier for those of you that were listening to our earlier podcast um i have ideas about integrating kind of theory and um <sighs> learning <laughs> and stuff no, into what we're talking about no yeah um and some um systemic ideas um that that um you know really give kind of a lot of emphasis to to context um and uh Bateson talks about how it's important that we think about how context gives meaning to the behavior mm. that we see um an example that I was thinking about to try and illustrate this is um say say for example there's um somebody um that that the context is a library um, and somebody comes in and they say, come on, guys, you're doing so well. Come on, you could do it. Yeah, it's great. Um, in the context of a library, that's like, mm, 
that person might be having some mental health difficulties. Yeah. If you change the context and make that a football game, it's like, come on, guys, you're yeah, doing so well. Yeah. Like, you know, it really gives meaning to the kind yeah. of the behavior. So, yeah, in 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 um, like the context of a football match, it's like that person's like, you know, giving it their all yeah. and they're really great and whatever. In the context of a library, you're like, mm, do we need to call someone? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, Did you prep that explanation? I I thought about it a couple of weeks ago. Uh, look at you! Yeah, Along with you, with your little Russian doll analogy. (laughs) I just came up with that on this one. (laughs) No, but that's a really good way um, of explaining it. And also how, um, not only how things are understood in context, but how the individuals are um, Mm. affected by the context in which they're in. Because when you spoke about a football game, I just recall my last trip to the Arsenal um, live. The Arsenal. The Arsenal. I don't know when this podcast is going to go. What was the result? Did they... I don't know when this podcast is going to go out, but I can probably um, be sure that the last result was not a good result. (laughs) 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 But I have faith this season. Um, But yeah, how um, being in the stadium and being around um, fans and the way we as fans shout, we cheer, we, we, we sometimes are... Um, not too nice to the referee when yeah. they make p- poor decisions against our team. Um, but yeah, that kind of makes me think about um, how context impacts on you as an individual and how it um, makes you behave in a different way. Because I don't actually walk the streets and start shouting at people to oh, exactly to to um, pass the ball or to score goals. Because that's just like not not normal. Yeah, did commas. Yeah, but I suppose like in the English. Premier League, Arsenal maybe not doing so well. I don't know much about football. (laughs) Then maybe if there was like it was a different country or context, they might be seen as a really good club. That's for example, really good. Somewhere else. Yeah, please show me that. (laughs) (laughs) Show me back in the day. Football, social work. (laughs) Yeah, I mean context is the term or the word is used a lot in social work. Yeah, Um, and certainly in kind of all of our careers, I'd say. how how is it used in social work? What what does it kind of mean to you in a social work context? What does context <laughs> mean to you in a social work context? It's just going back when Nadia was talking about um, Bateson and systemic ideas. I think um, systemic ideas come from family therapy um, background. And um, is it right to describe Bateson as the godfather of well, a yeah, godfather yeah. or one of the four? I think yeah, one of the one. Yeah, I think. Pilgrim father. Yeah. Godfather. <laughs> we could do, yeah. <laughs> I love the way like could, you're, you're, could you're like looking at me. Like Gregory. I don't I don't know you're, no, you're, you're the you're the um geek in this. Yeah, that's we true. Need, we need your Sorry. knowledge and your wisdom now. Nadia, do um, we have permission to call <laughs> him the godfather? Are we saying the godfather? Are we saying the godfather? No, no, we're not trying to scare people. <laughs> okay, no, we're not doing that. Um <laughs> but yeah, I think my kind of attachment with um the notion of context in social work came really when I started to do, um, when I trained um, in systemic uh, social work. Um, I don't, I trying to think back and see whether it's something that it was a term that was kind of actively used when, before I was um, trained in a systemic way. Um, So when you asked a question about how I understand context in social work, I think I understand it through the systemic through a systemic lens and um, that kind of theoretical um, school of thought because um, it helps me understand um, an individual's behaviour, like Nadia explained with the library um, situation. It helps me understand um, better how 
uh, in individual ways um what they say and what they do what they may do um if i understand the context in which it's happening so yeah i think that's mm. my attachment with the notion of context in social work yeah and for me um it just really helps me think about how i um intervene with families and how i um yeah kind of work with families if for example um i'm working with a young person who um regularly kicks off if i'm late um i try and think about okay well what is it what is it about that that um informs that behavior is it's it's about kind of thinking about the context of their experience so their experience perhaps of regularly being let down by adults or um they the fact that they have to go to work so they're really upset that I'm late because then it delays their you know their next meeting or whatever you kind of thinking about the wider um influences of that behavior rather than just oh that person's being rude to me because I'm a little bit late oh how dare they you know um just trying to give it a little bit more m- meat yeah. or something I suppose it links in with anti oppressive values doesn't it which obviously key in social work in terms of um yeah i guess not pathologizing the person yes. so trying to mm. think of of the different kind of impacts and influences and context on their um situation <laughs> should we have the the context bingo we've got yeah. a bell yeah. can we say this word um because i think in assessments it can help can't it when you're thinking of the context of someone's lived experience mm. and i think that really helps um to to make a kind of richer assessment when we're thinking about all those different factors Mm. and make it kind of much more uh kind of 3d and and different perspectives yeah and it's you talk about um it in relation to social work but i'm just thinking about and i don't know if it's the same with you guys but with social work we're dealing with humans we're dealing with human beings and um human behaviors so i think a lot of it is is relatable or it's directly transferable to real life and a real life situation and we may be um spitting out buzzwords and words that maybe people are not too familiar with um, and that's because of our social work training but the way i kind of see things in the sense of understanding a person's behavior or who a person is is almost like um opening a novel at chapter 45 and it's a 95 page novel and um reading um a couple of pages um, that are quite dramatic quite um direct and then closing a book and writing a book review but actually you you need to go back and read the chapters that come before mm. um this chapter 45 because it helps provide context it helps you have a better understanding um and then that will basically help you um understand the person and understand what you're reading so similarly that was kind of my philosophy in when practicing in social work but also in understanding people um that you need to have an understanding of the context and what affects them the chapters before in order to understand what it is that you see before you absolutely i suppose thinking reflexively so thinking about the kind of our influences and what we bring to practice as well i guess it's thinking about the influence of our context as well as the kind of children and families we work with so they're our own individual kind of background Uh, kind of family of origin context um but then i suppose also the work context Mm. you know how much does the work environment enable you to work in a way that thinks about the contexts of the children and families we work with i don't Mm. know what your two's experiences from where you've kind of worked um you know in some kind of areas or kind of local authorities how much that 
definitely i think um i without naming any local authorities i've worked in uh i think a very privileged fair to say a very privileged local authority in fact i've worked in i've worked in privileged local authorities and i've worked in very not privileged local authorities that was terrible english i'm so sorry um but um yeah and i definitely you definitely kind of see the the difference in terms of um resources i found so you know there are there are times when you can go to your manager and say you know i want to be a bit creative with this kid i want to maybe you know take them out and do this activity with them is that cool and in one local authority where they have the resources and they're able to do that it's yeah fine go crack on do do your thing whereas in other local authorities it's 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 that's not the case mm. um and yeah it makes it it makes the work the context of the local authority that you're working it makes your work different yeah 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 and i think from my experience of um working in local authorities is um quite similar but also how the work in a local authority are affected by wider kind of political decisions and and wider um uh decisions or changes in the way that we um protect children and how that impacts on 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 us and the context in which we work in and i think in the previous podcast we've, we've spoke about um the impact on our social work after serious case reviews like baby peter um colony dying for example or little things like changes in managers or changes in team structures or a particularly high period a, a particular period of high caseloads and stuff like that um something significant having happening on one of your cases where that impacts the way that you may look at other cases so mm. it's so there's so many layers to it there's so many kind of different angles and different avenues um and all of this kind of has an impact which means that actually actually social work is not easy it's not it's not kind of straightforward to kind of understand and break down and think about how how you can consistently go forward in the same way i kind of feel like we respond to feedback and we adapt accordingly based on what changes around us and i think part of that is okay um hmm. But if we think about contextual safeguarding, that's what yes. we're going to do. Yeah. Um, what's your understanding of what contextual safeguarding is? Well, um, it feels like contextual safeguarding is very much the current like buzz term um, in in uh, children um, safeguarding and, and and child protection. Um, and I've been looking and reading and listening a lot to um, the work of uh, Doctor. Carleen Furman um, from the University of Bedfordshire they've been doing some research into this and um, are the kind of like yeah I don't know the godmother maybe of this <laughs> yeah um, and yeah so she that those those guys at um, uh, University of Bedfordshire have been doing some really great work to kind of contribute to this um, and it's it's the idea that um, you kind of think about the wider context that um, young people are in outside of their homes and, and, and the risks that come from those wider wider context um so for example thinking about um because as 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 um young people 
get older they gradually spend more time out of home like with their friends yeah. like in school out and about in their local communities um mm. and you know there are risks that are posed um um to, to vulnerable young people that are, that are out and about so yeah it's thinking about um what risks are posed to, to young people in those contexts mm. and it's interesting because i think i probably I actually saw Carlene um, do a talk a couple of years ago, and I was sort of... Oh, name drop, eh? <laughs> 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 Carl's, me and Carl's. Leany. Do a, a talk a couple of years ago, and um, she sort of spoke about it then, but it's probably been the last year or so that I've really become more familiar with it. But it's actually been... She developed it kind of over the last six years, so it's been around okay. probably like okay. longer than I certainly, that. I don't know, us have probably um, been as familiar with it. Yeah. Um, but I just think it's a really interesting way to kind of move away um, from, a, a, I guess, a quite sort of linear way of thinking about harm to young people and just thinking about, OK, let's think about the wider context where um, abuse and harm may may happen. But mm. it's um, it's quite different, isn't it, to mm. think to think in that way? And it is quite systemic, as we spoke before, about thinking of these kind of um, different influences beyond the home. Because I think we're finding before a lot of children were on kind of CP plans when... The, CP? <laughs> CP? CP, acronym, uh, child protection um, plans when the harm was not necessarily happening in the home. Yes. So it's kind of in response to let's kind of look and try to look at something a bit differently here. Mm. But I think it's interesting approach because it's now looking at the different environments in which young people kind of... Um, sort of social environments in which people may kind of move around and, and, and interact. So it could be a, a shopping centre, it could be a park, um, in terms of where any kind of risk and vulnerabilities are. And actually they, those areas become the focus yes. of any plan. And I just yeah. think that's really interesting, like Westfield's shopping centre. I mean, that needs to there needs to be some sort of plan about that. Yes. Yeah. hate those places. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Close it down, end no, no, the plan. No. Oh, no. If you, like, if I need to pick up stuff on my holiday. I just went there at like 8 p.m. and I got stuff. Don't close it down yet. <laughs> oh, I just, they make, they make they me feel a little bit um, unwell. But, um, but yeah, so I, it's just, it's interesting, isn't it, to think about... Uh, yeah, much more in a kind of environment um, as a kind of place of risk. But I think yeah. it's really an interesting progressive way to think. Yeah. yeah. And actually, when um, you guys brought this and said, uh, let's talk about it, you said, let's talk about it. It was kind of... It's fun. Yeah. Um, I, I had to do my research because I, I wasn't too sure about, and it didn't have a really good understanding of, of um, what contextual safeguarding looks like in social work yeah. and um actually doing the research and looking at the 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 videos um gave me a slightly better understanding you're gonna say something yeah there. um so you know in the last podcast we spoke about um the three girls like dramatization mm. and you know something that really stuck out to me what really struck me and that was how um the social workers there were talking about how the systems weren't set up to deal with harm happening yeah. outside of the home um in, in the Rochdale kind yeah. of uh, child sexual exploitation abuse cases and um actually yeah thinking about things like the I think it was a chicken shop or something that they would go yeah, to was, yeah. um like what what could be done about the fact that all these girls would go into this chicken shop um what what could they do um, you know if they were to be thinking about it now um in the kind of contextual safeguarding framework mm. what could be done about about that to kind of keep the, those girls safe um and yeah try and reduce the risk there so the idea is to kind of rather than 
necessarily you know you could take the step of like stopping them from going there and that would keep them so safe but also changing what's happening there yeah. to so that if they do go there that they they are still kept safe like it's trying to amend um, like things a little bit yeah and um, one of the things that was going through my mind when i was thinking about um this notion was what has it looked like in previous years I, I, i'm always because i think we're often age where we have experienced a world without social media without um uh, really easy ways for young people people to connect with whatsapp with facebook and and stuff like that that's social media i'm so old i don't know the two separate things um but then we move into a world now where the young people that we're working with um have don't know any other way of of, of communicating so I think in the past 20 years, um, the possibilities of harm, um, of children being harmed outside of the home has amplified. Mm. And I have to check myself and, and make sure that I don't get into a, a kind of way of thinking this is a new phenomenon, um, the idea of harm outside the home. I think it was something that was happening before. Um, but the need, and this is why I love this kind of, <coughs> excuse me, love this push, um, to contextual safeguarding because I think there's a need to adapt with the times and you mentioned um, the three girls and CSE and just thinking about the kind of thoughts and uh, how these girls were understood um, back then um, in a sense of being young girls who were promiscuous and, yeah. and wanted um, sex and um, not understanding um, the context in which they were trying to operate in the the, the pressures on them, the the exp exploitation that they were experiencing, and how a significant event like what happened to those three girls and others um, contributes to people making a slight shift in in, yeah. in their thinking, it, and it's almost it's good, but it's almost like we're becoming it's it's reactive. Mm. Um, uh, yeah, and it, and it makes me think about. Um, you know, like the the sexual health worker in in that um, that scenario was really, you know, really kind of insistent and persistent about trying to raise the fact that you know these kids were coming to harm. Um, and I think the idea of contextual safeguarding is that um, the those with the like child protection responsibilities, like um, the local authority, work really closely with wider teams, but it, in think but not just not just like the police or schools but people like westfield guards security guards yeah. or like you know park rangers if they're park wardens wardens <laughs> park wardens no, in america <laughs> i was just thinking about yogi bear when you said that <laughs> park ranger park ranger it doesn't sound was. quite yeah, right no, but it, it, I and, and i suppose it. it's moving back to more community-based social work isn't it and yeah. having a lot more um sort of familiar relationships with with people in the community not just professionals but as you said you know is it is it people in the chicken shop is it the security guard um is it the park warden park wardens, <laughs> yeah. um and moving much more to that kind of grassroots which i think links in with the the, the previous podcast that we did around um thinking about knife crime and and the kind mm. of things that are going on in scotland about making it much more of a kind of community uh kind of public health issue thinking yeah. about okay how can we um kind of localize um, the thinking around it rather than it being a kind of London-wide issue, for example, in London where we are. Um, and I think it's the same, like really get to know those different people within the community yeah. and, and kind of look at it that way. 
um, which I think is, you know, we've needed that a long time. I think yeah. we moved away a lot from that to a much more kind of individualized approach. And I think it's good to be going back to that thinking. Yeah. And just as you talking it reminds me um of uh conversations that are being held in london around the police um and um the kind of re- reduction in um police officers on on the street and especially community support officers i remember there was a time when i saw everyone walking around with the blue kind of um lapels um is it lapels yeah, yeah. um but when financial time where things are hard financially it's like the cuts come from the in from those community resources so um remember when short start centers were around or where children's centers played an active role and um, family support workers could help families and just as you talked as you spoke about and um, people in the community and um, and it going back to the community I was like, i'm thinking about who are those people currently and um, it's almost like there needs to be a moral obligation for from people, people at chicken shops, people in Westfields, um, park rangers, wardens, <laughs> um, uh, it's a moral obligation for them to do it. But nobody is, at this present, through to my knowledge, nobody is actively galvanising them and, and creating a structure or framework around um, uh, people in the community to teach them how to respond to situations. I think um, everyone who works in environments where children are present have to have safeguarding training i wonder whether this safeguarding training is takes on the the kind of um principles of of uh contextual safeguarding and if not maybe that's a way forward Mm. um and i suppose it links back into though doesn't it thinking about the wider context and i guess inviting a shift in people's thinkings about how young people are viewed in society because i think the three girls is a really good example of as you know some of the language around kind of being promiscuous and you know they went to meet these men or etc it's about kind of reframing and to think about the context that the young people children young people we work with um come from in terms of it being exploitation in terms of it being abuse Mm -hmm. in terms of thinking the family backgrounds um because you know i suppose we're speaking from a social work lens who maybe think about those contexts but i Mm -hmm. guess you know do other people do the general public i'm not saying you know of course some people do but i think it is about thinking if we're going back to a community level how you know you invite those people who you're engaging in the safeguarding Mm. um kind of contextual safeguarding capacity to think about how we view young people yeah um not as a sort of negative nuisance etc yeah and i think i would agree with that because i just thinking back to a lot of the kids that i worked with um uh, when i was practicing on the front line um who were involved in gangs or involved in who were at risk of um, child sexual exploitation and i think a pattern in their family history was that either they or their parent or both had suffered um, significant traumatic event or um, whether that's um, physical abuse or emotional um, abuse or neglect or anything else um, or just illness, falling ill, parental illness is a, is a huge factor. And um, just one case that comes to my mind where uh, a young boy's mum felt got a serious illness when he was like, six or seven or eight that meant that he had to um i think accelerate his maturity to help his mum out single parent family help his mum out and help um his little sister out and then that means he moved into adolescent years with no kind of i don't know 
protector or somebody to guide him like a containment yeah yeah, yeah. then he moves into different contexts in contexts where there are other teenagers around him he lived in a deprived um uh, area um where other teenagers around him older teenagers he has to change the way he is operating to fit in with that and um, his visible representation he was a young boy 13 at the time when i knew him but built like an 18 year old and the older boys um kind of played on his vulnerability to mm. kind of encourage him into gangs and things like that and then he ended up running drugs um um getting arrested and stuff like that and i think when somebody sees his behaviors at the moment when he's 13 and stuff like and uh, when basically when he's 13 um and it's not to point finger or, or to point fingers or um assign blame but people may look at him and be like wow like that's just a really bad kid and mm. let's let's back away from him but actually understanding what comes before, before the chapters for example before it gives it provides a different meaning mm. um to to his behaviors and i think that's important to to think about as well mm. so uh, i suppose it'd be good to kind of think about um how we so yes in terms can contextual safeguarding you know as a theory and you know as a as a way of thinking but what how does it look like in terms of intervention like so what does it mean um for for how we intervene with families um and um thinking about theory i'm so sorry guys i'm just gonna bring it in no, um, no, thinking go, about go theory ahead, um social learning theory underpins the kind of um contextual safeguarding um uh framework um and it's uh pierre bougeard who who speaks about this Bourdieu. Um, is that how is you it? pronounce it <laughs> oh okay you know, you know yeah, i'm Bourdieu. so sorry i'm so sorry i'm so sorry pierre yeah we you're know you're listening, listening here. <laughs> um now i'm the boffin <laughs> <laughs> thanks ron um and yeah he you know he he speaks about um kind of which I, I quite like the, so the kind of ideas of of um the capital that a young person has so their social capital economic um capital cultural capital and how that then what that means for how they then interact with their environment so your kind of example of of this um young man's kind of physicality um and the kind of capital that that gives him um and how in how he moves yeah. in his environment um uh yeah yeah i'm just trying to link it back to what we were saying about how we intervene um, yeah. um with families but how do we then if there is for example um a, a different kind of um uh capital how, how do we how do we think about how we work with um, young people to increase their capital or yeah. you know you know try and make changes for them so that they're they're a bit safer in their environments i yeah. think is something that we have to give a um a lot of thought to yeah and I think under helping young people to, I think understand the environment and the context that 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 they're in, because um, I kind of see different contexts overlapping. So if you you use a young person I spoke about, um, their the context of their their family environment, then there may be school and education, then um, it it may be um the gangs that they're in or the social groups that they they're in, and I think when you think about um understanding their capital or increasing their capital for example it it will be it's very dependent on the context in which they're in and i think a lot of young people in in 
the adolescent years go through so much in the sense of understanding who they are and mm. who and who they want to be but that kind of changes depending on the different environments that they're in and the different contexts that they're in so i think building that relationship with a young person and helping them kind of navigate the themselves through this world is 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 important and not only us um in our professional positions as social workers but we talked about um engaging the community and contextual safeguarding looks at looks at that as well um so i feel everybody who interacts with with children and young people from um people at school or different professionals but also the lay person in the street how you choose to respond to a young person how you choose to engage with a young person i think um that's that's really important because if I was to play devil's advocate slightly, which I kind of love to do, <laughs> devil's advocate, I I would say if I'm a person who I'm what in my forties and I've got my life and I'm sorted out, then um, why am I going to waste my time talking to a fifteen-year-old who's not even my relative? Um, it goes back to the idea of the moral obligation basically yeah. mm -hmm. and i really like the idea of the when talk about the capital because i think it's it's twofold i think there's the the contextual safeguarding thinks about yeah the kind of environment and the context so say if a young person um experienced harm whether it's kind of uh knife or sexual harm in a park there's the one aspect thinking about how can we make the park safer so speak to the you know park warden is it more light um how Cut can we back, you know, make it safe there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Versus the capital aspect is thinking about okay, how, what? How can we then support that young person in that context? So it's it's acknowledging that that young person will probably still go to the park because you know often your peers are the most important when you're kind of young. And um, so instead of just thinking, okay, don't go to the park, and um, which I've seen happen before, kind of like yeah, yeah, don't go out, don't do this. Recognizing that yes, they're going to. So how can we therefore, um, you know, I guess kind of provide skills and kind of empowerment for when they're faced with kind of interactions that might you know and how they can navigate those mm. through their adolescence so yeah. I, I really like those aspect of it so thinking about yeah the sort of environment but also the individual context as well that that person has yeah um and i think this was a really good i'm just being biased now a really good topic to talk about um well done friend that's good yeah. um well thanks carlene for yeah me. i was yeah. just gonna say thanks carls but um could i just say sorry back to my boffin theory bit it yeah. wasn't about me being super boff i just happened to uh study pierre bourdieu in my first oh, degree oh, so I just in case see. just in case you're thinking like all right so friend. hold on it's not about you being super boff but no. then you just brought in I just that wanted you studied to, um yeah. what was your first uh, cultural studies pierre bourdieu bourdieu pierre bourdieu what did i say bouger bouger, bouger. <laughs> oh my days but no i think I, you know and obviously we've just kind of touched on the topic today and and there is actually a website www.contextualsafeguarding.org.uk um which has information about what what contextual safeguarding is and also lots of kind of resources so i think that's a really good um kind of starting place to look at if you're kind of interested in yeah. looking and reading more about it yeah and also um as we always say in every podcast continue the conversations um hit us up on twitter at matters podcast and instagram at matters podcast as well um if you have any interesting thoughts or you want to kind of engage in the conversations but engage um or continue the conversations um amongst yourselves um 
any feedback will be really welcome um, on this podcast or just on any podcast. Um, positive feedback, constructive feedback, any views will be welcome. And I'm really interested in, you know, how familiar people are, um, particularly obviously social workers out there or kind of other people working in um, kind of children's welfare and safeguarding of whether it's something that they're using, how it's kind of used in their context. Ding, ding, ding. Um, <laughs> so I'd just be really kind of curious to hear from many people about that as well. Mm. Um, I'm about to ask this question, but I don't know if we have an answer. What are we talking about next time? Um, <laughs> some social work stuff. <laughs> good, good, good call, Nat. Um, yeah, we'll Thanks. have to um, think about that and then we'll get back to you. <laughs> okay, um, we have been three social workers talking yeah. about social matters. This is Eugene signing out. Bye. Bye from Bye. Fran. Bye from Nadia.